What up, y'all? Welcome to Queer Walk, the podcast. This is Money. And today, I am returning to my solo podcasting roots. It's just me. Uh, Nikita is uh, still on the rig. And we need to wish her home quick because she's kind of hating this assignment. So... It's funny because, like, y'all just heard her two weeks ago, but I haven't seen my Biffle in, like, a month. But I didn't want to leave y'all without an episode, and I also have a lot of shit to say. So, yeah, it's me, and let's drop the motherfucking intro! Your chocolate demeanor and your cocoa kisses. I see your glow from a distance. Your vow to sight, my submission. I give you all of me. Wanna make you proud of me. We see the God in all you do. Your light is harmony. Every type, darkest night, brightest light. I'm loving your soul. They hate you, replace you, take you, but know that you go. Worldwide from every continent. I just want you to jig a little bit. Move them hips, feel that bliss. Hug your sis, make a fist. Don't resist your temptation. You're amazing, no limitation. My favorite in this matrix. We move by your vibration, and that's love. I hope you hear that on the daily, cause baby, you love. I hope you hear that on the daily, cause baby, you love. I hope you hear that on the daily, cause baby, you love, you love, hey. I hope you hear that on the daily, I hope you do, I hope you hear that on the daily, I hope you do, I hope you do, hey, All right, so I'm going to get into where y'all can find us. If you're not already, please follow the podcast at QueerWalkPod, P-O-D, on Instagram and the same handle on Twitter. We're a lot more regular than bi-weekly over there. So <laughs> if you ever miss us or miss our voices or want to see what we're talking about or up to or ranting about, follow us on there. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash QueerWalkPod, P-O-D. On Tumblr, where it all started, at QueerWalk.com. You can listen to us on Google, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts except Spotify. So now that you know where to find us on these internet streets, I'm going to let you know the two ways that you can contribute to sustaining Queer Walk, the podcast. The first way is monetarily. Uh, We need your coin to help us keep this good program going. You might not miss $2, but you will miss an episode if we can't, you know, pay for the SoundCloud bill and all that stuff, you know. So you can contribute monetarily one of two ways. The first way is on the Cash App. That's just like a one-time, drop some little bloop bloop off. Um, Our Cash App is dollar sign queer walk pod, P-O-D. And the second way is to become a sustainer over on the Patreon. And Patreon is just a monthly donation. No amount is too small or too big (laughs) to contribute monthly. And you can do that at patreon.com slash queerwalkpod, P-O-D. And if you are a patron, there are some like perks over there outside of getting this uh, bomb-ass program bi-weekly. You also get a special playlist that I put together for y'all every month and some other, you know, little 
behind the scenes and tidbits and stuff like that that we throw up there. So you definitely want to get that extra content and become a patron. The second way you can contribute to this here program is to love us out loud. We don't want to be your dirty little secrets. We came out a long time ago. Um, So let folks know that you like the podcast and that you listen. You can do that by doing the R's. Y'all know. Rate, review, request topics and like podcast content that you want to hear. Repost us. Retweet us. Reply Send us some comments on the episodes. Use the hashtag QueerWOC or QueerWOCPod to talk about all things the podcast. Like if you have any reactions, if you would have responded differently, throw it in a hashtag and we'll see it and we'll most likely repost it. Um, And yeah, it just gives us more visibility. It lets folks know that it's not just the numbers ticking up that people listen, but y'all are actually engaged in community with us because we love y'all community you can also send us an email or submit curved chronicles please submit your curved chronicles (laughs) y'all because dating ain't easy and y'all know nikita is boot up so uh, we don't get much curved chronicles from her and if you need a refresher curve chronicles are the dating woes and wins um and you can submit all of that topics or curve chronicles at queerwalkpod at gmail.com we would also love to get flued out or trunned out for stonewall 50th that is like it's kind of wild to me that that's next month like dang we got like one we're one episode away from pride that's also why i didn't want to go without an episode this week because i'm like damn next month is pride month and uh y'all already know i'm about to be the bralette baddie out here i love not wearing a shirt in pride month so (laughs) so if y'all want to see me in my best bralette because y'all know rihanna had them plus sizes and she got a bitch feeling sexy as fuck so if y'all want to see that you can book us just send us an email at queerwalkpod at (laughs) gmail.com All right, so I'm going to move it on along to the Queer Walk, Queer Walk, Queer Walk of the Week segment. Oh, damn. That's the first time I did that by myself. <laughs> I got kind of feel a way about that. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> so this Queer Walk of the Week segment, y'all, it's going to be like, like celebratory as we usually do for Queer Walk of the Week that I want to highlight. But it's also going to be, unfortunately, like pretty sad because I also want to give Ashes and uplift some names of some of our sisters who became ancestors way too soon. And so I think, you know, I'll do that first because I always like to, you know, if we're going to process or get deep with some shit, I always like to leave us with hope, you know? <sighs> so I feel like every year... We have an episode where it's just like we're going down a list of black queer women, specifically black trans women who have been murdered. And I I just have to have hope that one year Queer Walk the Podcast will be able to have an entire podcasting year without having to do that. We as a community, need to show up more for our Black trans sisters. We need to support them and love on them and let them know that we ain't going to let nobody fuck with them. And y'all motherfuckers got to stop killing Black trans women. Like, and I, I, I'm saying y'all, I know if you're listening to this, you're, you're probably 
not uh, actively um, hurting black trans women, I would hope. Because if not, you need to turn this shit off right now and get your raggedy ass off my podcast. But yeah, the only way I know to like not, you know, just like feel so collapsed under like, damn, like we still hear like lists, lists, y'all. Like it's, it's not like it happens one time and we're like, oh my gosh, this is a shock. But it lists every year a list. It it just has to stop. I feel like there's nothing that already hasn't been said by black trans women um, that I could say right now. Like it, it just, it just has to stop. It has to stop. I saw the homies over at Bag Ladies post about, you know, this, and it was just, it's, and I saw, you know, the homies at Marsha's Plate posting, and I'm just like, whew, you can't get on your timeline, it seemed like, if you're, like, a black queer person and not see the news about, like, a black trans woman um, being murdered. So, I just want to read their names and, like, uplift them and, and like, just put it into the air and let y'all know about them if you haven't heard and just to send some energy their way in the ancestral plane and let them know that they are loved and that they are missed um, and they were all way too fucking young to leave us. So, okay, so I'm going to start with 23-year-old Malaysia Booker Ashe. She was murdered in Dallas, Texas, and folks might like recognize her because there was a video of her that went viral because some guy got into like a a traffic altercation with her and and like pulled her out the car and beat her um and as if that that wasn't enough and I don't feel like this is unrelated to that um I could I could be completely wrong but I just think it's too it's too soon after and it's it's too much um so i don't think they're unrelated but i just want to send an ashe to malaysia you are loved and i'm going to say your name every damn chance i get ashe to dana martin who's 31 who was fatally shot in alabama and folks who might I don't know if y'all follow me on like any of my social media, y'all might know that like Alabama is like a second home to me. And so whenever some queer of color shit pops off in Alabama or they pass a fuck ass abortion um, bill, you know, it really, really hurts deep. So I just especially want to um, send love to Dana Martin. You are loved. And I say. I say to Ashanti Carmen, who is 27 who was fatally shot in Maryland. Ashe to Claire Legato, who was 21, who was fatally shot in Cleveland. And, like, I feel like another theme of this is, like, gun violence. And so while we're out here, we need to keep that on our radar. And it's so messed up that we have to, like, always think about how all issues intersect in our lives. But... You know, gun control is a real issue, and I think a lot of times we think about it in, like, white vigilantes uh, need to be disarmed, but I think we have to have a real conversation about, like, these black trans women are being murdered by cishet black men, and that cishet black men are the biggest threat to the well-being of black women, period. Like, black black cis women, black trans women, black queer women, um, that 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 
that has to be addressed too. And those are, those are, you know, like hard truths that we also have to hold all the time as if we ain't tired of holding everything. So again, I just want to send an ashe to um, all of our sisters that were lost this year so far in 2019. And just for reference and me saying that I'm like tired of this last year, HRC and, you know, affiliates and like advocates tracked the death of at least 26 black trans women. And so like that is an epidemic when you think about how small of a number, like the, the po- of the population they make up. And I feel like that frustration ain't even the, the word for it. I can't even find a word right now, but we just have to do better by black trans women and we just have to uplift them and honor them. They like they were young as fuck. They were all young. You know, it's like we we cannot keep losing our sisters so young. Everybody deserves to like grow old and find love and be happy and know that that they got community that will support them. And so love on a black trans woman today. Check in on her. Make sure that she is not, you know, activated and triggered by her timeline. All right, y'all. I had to kind of like take a breath um, after that. You know, part of part of like doing this with my best friend is like I kind of get spoiled because I have like built in support, you know, when we talk about hard shit. So I'm going to move on to, you know, a highlight. And I've, I've said this before on here, but like we so often like have to celebrate queer women of color lives after they've passed on. So part of this segment is like doing that while we still here. Right. So I want to uplift Queer Walk of the Week this week. Uh, Kenyan actress and musician Samantha Mugasia. Y'all, if y'all follow me again on my social media, you probably know I've been low-key obsessed uh, with the movie Rafiki, um, the Kenyan movie Rafiki, um, <laughs> and I'm kind of Wakanda in it. I did. I, I, I'm doing the most, y'all. Like right now, I have my pastel yarn locks, a la Ziki. Um, but so I wanted to highlight uh, Sam Mugasia because she co-stars in the film and she plays the role of McKenna. Or, or Kenna, they call her for short in the movie. So I'm highlighting her because this March she won the, the Best Actress Award at the Fespaco Film Festival, which is Africa's biggest film festival. And so I'm going to tell you why this is so dope, right? So for those of you who don't know, Rafiki is a like coming of age, like lesbian love story between these two Kenyan girls. Um, and it's based off this book, Jambula Tree. And it was actually banned in Kenya for showing, like, lesbian intimacy on screen, right? So the director, Wanuri, is currently, like, um, suing to get the ban lifted. And so when she filed that case, they lifted the ban for one week. For one week. And (laughs) sold out, like, every screening. But actually, that, that one week allowed the cast to be eligible for awards at Africa's Film Festival. And so, even though the film only showed for one week, Sam Mugasia won the award. So, that just tells you how amazing of an act- actress she is. How And I'm also blown away to know that this is her first role. That's dope as fuck. Can you imagine winning, winning a Best Actress Award on your first your first film? Damn. That's, that's some baller shit. 
And again, I wanted to say that she co-starred in the film with Sheila, who played the role of Zeke. Sam is also a drummer. Uh, She's in a band called Yellow Light Machine, and they've been playing live shows since 2015. I couldn't find any of their music online, so I don't know if that's just because I'm over here in America and I couldn't find it. So if anybody happens to listen to this in Kenya and y'all know how I can access Yellow Light Machine, Please send me some of their music because you know I'm a, a music head. And if it's anything like the soundtrack of Rafiki, bitch, I got to hear it. So I'm going to put a link to a interview that uh, Auto Shadow did with Sam. I'm going to put that in the show notes. And if you want to try to catch Rafiki, because I know everybody wants to see this movie. It is so good. Um, if you want to catch it, I actually found a link that it's, it's, it's showing a lot of places over the summer, especially during um, Pride Month here in America. So and it's it's not just like big cities, because I know the first time it was released, it was basically New York and L.A. The first time we talked about um, this movie on the podcast. But it's in other places, too. It's playing. So if you want to try to catch it, I'm going to put the link in the description. And there's a whole, like, active, ongoing listing of where it's playing. This weekend, when this episode drops, it's playing again in Brooklyn. So, yeah. So if you want to try to catch it, it's kind of at, you know, it's doing, like, the the festival circuit. But it is playing at smaller theaters and select theaters, too. So, that link is going to be in the description. Try to catch Rafiki, y'all. Shout out to Sam Ugasia again for an incredible, incredible portrayal of McKenna in Rafiki. All right, I'm going to move it on along to community contributors. And I, I can't do the jingle solo. So uh, this is, you know, community contributors. Yeah. Yeah, see, <laughs> I got I got to do the jingle that I actually wanted to do for this segment. <laughs> and this is the segment where we just highlight and shout out everybody who makes Queer Walk possible outside of the two of us who sort of like curate the information, the community. Um, but y'all make it. So, yes. Oh, gosh. This is the hard part about having a biweekly program. Because it feels like so much time has passed since Pod and Live, but it really hasn't. It's been like a week and a half. And so, obviously, I'm going to start the community contributors segment with Pod and Live. Whoo, y'all. Have you ever loved someone so much you thought you'd die? Given so much of yourself? It seems the only... <laughs> no, but for real, y'all. That was my... Of all the amazing things that happened at Pod and Live... My all-time favorite moment at the event was the sing-along. The, it, it was just like, it just happened. Like, the song came on and everybody started singing. We were squished like sardines on the dance floor because it was so many people. And there was no, you know, there was no like, okay, just watch my shoes. But everybody was lit. Um, and we just all sang along to Candy Rain, y'all. Like, and that... That is is something I've only done in my bedroom at the top of my lungs. And so (laughs) um, that just felt like such a magical black ass moment. Some of y'all might have seen I posted the video of that to uh, the highlights on our Instagram page under Pod and Live. And yeah, it was just so much fun. And I just can't thank um, Queen and Jay enough, Tea with Queen and Jay podcast, for just like, 
not only putting together like a group of podcasts that will come together and and like make that space, but also being like vibe checkers in the room. Like, nah, this is what's going to happen. This is what we stand for. This is what this community is. And if you don't fuck with it, you got to (laughs) go. And so I just really appreciated that. You know, black people crammed into a space, you know, it could get hot. And and it was, it was just no, it was chill. It was just chill as fuck. And so that, to me, that just speaks to the energy that they exude. And it just gets returned with like the people who show up, not everybody. But, you know, for the, for the overarching vibe of the event. It was just incredible. I can't say enough. If you couldn't make it to Pod and Live 2019, you have to make it next year. Oh my gosh, Pod and Live NYC 2020. I I can't oh, can't even imagine. <laughs> it was it was it was twas lit. Twas lit. Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna shout out like some specific folks that I finally got the chance to meet at Pod and Live. And if I don't shout you out, I'm, I apologize. It's just because, like I said, the event was lit. So <laughs> I didn't remember everybody's names, but who I did, I got you. I got you. I wrote you down or I recorded you because I was, I was literally walking around with a recorder like, okay, <laughs> who I'm about to get. So first of all, Huge shout out to Aria, who I finally got to meet in person. And then we just kicked it like we was old friends. <laughs> Who's happened? You've been following Queer Walk probably since like before the podcast was even like a thing. Like when I was still just on Tumblr trying to figure my shit out. So it was just so incredible meeting you and to like sit and chat as if we had known each other forever because we kind of legit, <laughs> legit have and you know, uh, following each other on the social media. So it was just amazing meeting you. You have great energy and we need to get together and make clothes because, you know, I made my shirt I was wearing. I seen on your story that you was making um, a skirt. So we could just, we could just get together and make dope ass outfits, like, and just take pictures and just shock the gram. So (laughs) shout out to Aria. Shout out to Melissa who like caught me in the corner and just really thanked me for doing Queer Walk and for all the nice things you said about me and Nikita. Thank you so much. And thanks for showing love. That was, it really warmed my heart. Yes. I want to shout out Martina. Thank you so much for like your warmth and light at Pod and Live. Uh, you really, really almost made me cry. <laughs> um, shout out to Aviva J who I feel like we interact on social media a lot. So it was just like, okay, yeah, another one of the homies (laughs) that like we finally get to meet in person. So shout out to you. Shout out to Nicole, who did we get a picture? Because if we did, you didn't tag me. So tag me at Melanated Money. So So I can repost it. Uh, Gonna give a huge shout out to Dune, who came through with the best energy, like, right at the end of Pot and Live. So, you gonna help me with my locks or no? Like, I really need all the lock advice. And if you do retwists, I'm willing to come back to Because <laughs> your locks are everything. And, okay, now I have podcast shout-outs to do that I finally got to meet, like, podcast friends in my head and in person. So, I finally got to meet Juju from a little Juju podcast. So, (laughs) Juju, you have to, you gotta stop 
moving me to tears. Like, you just come through and you say, like, the... You speak with the voice of, like, a thousand people and it just feels like you're just being wrapped in a, a spiritual hug. That was so amazing. And I, I was like, I don't, I don't know. I need to get better at, like, replying to, like compliments and also like people being like yo I feel like we was we've been supposed to know each other because I felt like that about you and so my first response is always like girl yes and you were like nope you need to sit here and take this praise and that was so hard for me so thank you for like exercising a muscle that I need to work on I finally got to meet Vanessa from Badgestine and it was just like I don't know it's it I really appreciate podcasts for this reason it's like you just find your community in such like a intimate way it's like when you finally meet in person you don't even feel like you're meeting a stranger you know and so me and Vanessa saw each other we just immediately started talking we jumped into like all the drama of me being a doctoral candidate and like (laughs) she talked about like traveling you know don't forget girl that uh student discount don't forget don't forget you know I can't say everything on the mic but you know (laughs) and I also want to shout out Maya and Yana from the extra juicy podcast so first of all first of all first of all y'all fine as fuck the outfits I I just need details on where to cop these pants <laughs> and second of all we we was like blocking traffic taking pictures um on the staircase and I I really love that like you, we turned the stairwell into our little photo booth so that <laughs> that was amazing yeah so if I missed anybody I really really apologize that was just like the list I had like I said I was walking around with a recorder so I was trying to get everybody's name so I could shout y'all out <laughs> um, so if I missed you you know just be like bitch I met your ass too and then I will shout you out on the next community contributor segment <laughs> alright so we got some new patrons that need some hollas for giving us their dollars the first new patron is Andre thank you Andre Soraya I hope I'm saying your name right Soraya Thank you. Kenyan Baby Dyke. Okay. All right. All right. I got to find my way to the continent at some point. Because this, this like, crossover needs... This crossover episode needs to happen with Kenyan Baby Dyke and with the wildness. Like, with Tiff and Amanda. We got to do crossover episodes. Like, thank you so much for becoming a patron. Dow and Amira up their pledges. So thank y'all not only for for balling, but <laughs> but for sharing that wealth with us so that we can continue to bring y'all this program. Thank you. We got hit off on the Cash App by um, Melissa and Noma. So thank you, Melissa and Noma. Um, y'all saved me from taking the dreadful Greyhound to the city. And, you know, I got to uh, take the good old uh, Amtrak. <laughs> so so thank you for that. I didn't have to wor- worry about moving seats. Um and I got to, you know, upgrade from the bus. And randomly, Arizona is our top state. Like thank you, Arizona. I'm so fascinated and curious about like how people find a podcast because I want to know. Like Arizona listeners out there, put me on. How did y'all discover the podcast? What's popping off out there? Are y'all having listening parties? Because y'all came out of nowhere. Like, y'all blew 
Texas, Chicago, New York City, um, New York State. Y'all blew us like all out the top five and y'all just came came through and took the number one spot. So thank you, Arizona, for continuing to uh, tune in to Queer Rock. <laughs> and if you would like to be a community contributor, it's really easy. All you have to do is show us love on the interwebs out loud. Leave us a review on SoundCloud, you can like comment on the tracks or on the Apple stuff. You can leave us a review, rate us, hit us off in the DMs, tweet at us, all those ways. We obviously become a patron, send us a cash app. All those ways will get you in the community contributors segment. Thanks, y'all. All right. So because we won't have a word this episode because um, Nikita's not here, and therefore, also, I won't have a jingle. I'm going to just like do a crossover jingle for the mental moment and the word segments. Ding, 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 ding. And now it's time for the mental moment with money. Ding, 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 ding. Y'all see, I like that crossover. <laughs> All right. I guess I should like give y'all some background about why I want to do this as the mental moment. And then I'm going to just get into it. Okay, so I have been working really hard to finish my dissertation, like a full, full draft of my dissertation this summer. I So yeah, I know I got the fellowship. Thankfully, I don't have to teach this summer to like pay rent. So I am trying to use every spare day and time that I get to get this full draft out. My first three, three and a half, like, Ish chapters have already been like cleared by my advisor, so I just got to get these last like two ish chapters done this summer. Um, and I have full confidence in myself because I joined this dissertation boot camp, and it's you know, it's been a lot. Today is day two, it's a struggle for me to get up before 10 a.m. because <laughs> when I'm seeing clients, like, um, I usually the early the earliest that I would have to be at the office is noon, so woo, getting up. Uh, <laughs> like 6.30 to be at boot camp. It's a lot, but I'm getting a lot done. So I told y'all all of this about my dissertation. Um, One, because I just have no one to commiserate with right now. But two, because when I get stuck, and actually my friend like Keish gave me the suggestion. So, hey, Keish, I love you. Shout out. Um, That when I get stuck in like writing or I feel like my brain can't think through shit anymore. I read stuff that's not coming from the brain. I read stuff that's coming from like the heart or the gut, you know, <laughs> have that stuff that has feeling. And that for me recently has been poetry. Usually I'll read like a, a comic book or some like uh, fast fiction, like short, short fiction books. But lately I've been reading poetry. So I wanted to do my mental moment on poetry. So, all right. So there actually is poetry therapy, like therapists who have written about and who use poetry in their therapy sessions. Um, And it's like, I think it's pretty standard, similar to what I do as a narrative therapist. It's just like a different way for folks to engage with telling their story, but also feel like in control of it, you know? And so poetry has been used in therapy for um, for trauma, for mood disorders, for depression, a lot with teenagers to help them express stuff. And I don't know if this is like a common teenage experience, but I think 
everybody I know at some point wrote poetry as a teenager. So you could you could see like the emotional impact like writing poetry in therapy sessions would have with teenagers. Poetry has also been used in therapy uh, for moms with postpartum or like baby blues, which is different from postpartum depression. And I have not come across anything with it being used with couples, but it has been used in like play therapy, like with kids and stuff. So yeah, so you know, poetry is out here healing. And so when I think about like why I feel, you know, refilled after reading a poem, it's like, oh, this shit is like backed up, like duh, like, (laughs) obviously poetry makes me feel good. And it actually reminded me of one of my favorite Audre Lorde pieces, which is Poetry is Not a Luxury. And if y'all will bear with me, I just want to read an excerpt from it because it just hits as to why poetry would be so dope as to I would make it a mental moment (laughs) segment. All right. So Mother Lord writes. For each of us as women, there is a dark place within where hidden and growing our true spirits rises, beautiful and tough as chestnuts against our nightmares of weakness and of impotence. These places of possibility within ourselves are dark because they are ancient and hidden. They have survived and grown strong through darkness. Within these deep places, each of us holds an incredible reserve of creativity and power of unexamined and unrecorded emotion and feeling. The woman's place of power within each of us is neither white nor surface. It is dark, it is ancient, and it is deep. When we view living in the European mode only as a problem to be solved, we then rely solely upon our ideas to make us free. For these were what the white fathers told us were precious referring to our ideas but as we become more in touch with our own ancient black non-european views of living as a situation to be experienced and interacted with we learn more and more to cherish our feelings and to respect those hidden sources of our power from where true knowledge and therefore lasting action comes At this point in time, I believe that women carry within ourselves the possibility for fusion of these two approaches as keystones for survival, and we come closest to this combination in our poetry. I speak here of poetry as the revelation of distillation of experience, not the sterile wordplay that too often the white fathers distort the word poetry to mean in order to cover their desperate wish for imagination without insight. Shots fired! (laughs) For women, then, poetry is not a luxury. It is a vital necessity of our existence. It forms the quality of the light within which we predicate our hopes and dreams towards survival and change, first made into language, then into ideas, then into more tangible action. Poetry is the way we help give name to the nameless so it can be thought. The farthest external horizons of our hope and fears are cobbled by our poems, carved from the rock experiences of our daily lives. So I'm going to post a link to the entire article. And when I say the entire article, y'all, this piece is like three pages. So it's not that deep. I've read like a third of it just now. So, But... 
First of all, so Audrey Lloyd, to me, <laughs> she writes, like, if anybody watches Queen of the Ring, like, battle rap, like, she writes like that. You can read a line, and it'll have, like, two different meanings. And I think that she did that even more intentionally in this piece because she's writing about poetry, right? And so the words she uses are very, like, intentional and poetic and just, like, draw imagery out. And I just I just love her writing in general for that, but I definitely love this piece for that. So, yeah, so in that piece I read, in that little, like, excerpt, you can see why, like, Yes, poetry is not, is not a luxury, right? It's like how we put the words to our feelings. You know, like she says, I don't know if it's later in this essay or if it's another one, but she's like, you know, the white father says, I think, therefore I am. And the white father is her metaphor for like patriarchy. So she says, the white father says, I think, therefore I am. And the black mother within us says, I feel, therefore I am free, right? And that's what she's saying poetry is. It's when we put words to our feelings and allow that to be knowing. Like, there's a reason why we talk about, like, gut instincts. Because, like, you can know from other places than your head, right? It's only, like, this oppressive-ass systems that we live under that tell us that knowledge is only from our minds. Knowledge is only through, like, academia or these spaces where people very narrowly cut out and carve what knowledge is. And Lord is just resisting all of that. And the way that she says that we resist that most concretely is through poetry, through honoring that our feelings are ways of knowing. And they always have been. She says that they're ancient, you know? And we all know ain't nothing ancient white. (laughs) Yeah. And so I just wanted to say too, Because, you know, I think now in 2019, we have different understandings of gender than this was written in 1985. So, so like when, when I read Lord now, I I have to put her in her time, but I also like reinterpret it for today. So when she's talking about um, like that woman space, what I actually think about is like queerness, like everything that's not hetero or not um, not cisgender, or everything that's not male. Like, she, she's talking about these, like, white father, which is her metaphor for patriarchy, ways of being. So anybody who exists in any way outside of that, that's how I conceptualize this woman space that she's talking about. Because I know for some folks, they're just, they, like, we get caught up on language, and I think a lot of times that's, that separates us from, like, taking in, you know, that word, that message that our foremothers and foreparents wrote for us. And so, yeah. So, I really love that. I hope y'all fuck with the excerpt. And again, I'm going to post the link to the whole thing. And now, I'm going to give y'all three suggestions for poetry books that have been getting me through writing this dissertation. And also just that I really, really love in general. All right. So I will list them in the show notes because, you know, I was just thinking like, why don't we have a syllabus? Because we always suggesting readings to y'all. <laughs> Queer Walk is a, a low-key a class, but <laughs> that's right. Put us on your damn syllabus because because we be out here citing. We be citing women of color. We be citing trans folks. We are a revolutionary syllabus. Oral syllabus. That's what we are. Queer Walk, the oral syllabus, not Queer Walk, the podcast. <laughs> All right. So the first poetry book I'm going to suggest is Even This Page is White. And it's by Vivek Shreya. 
Vivek is a amazing femme out of Toronto, I believe. I know it's Canada, but I don't know if it's specifically Toronto. And this book is just excellent. Like, I, I don't I don't know what, what else to say. Like, oh my gosh. And Vivek also wrote a children's book called The Boy and the Bendy, which I also own because it's just so sweet and it's an amazing amazing little story about like this genderqueer little boy who wants to wear a bendy like his mama so yeah but Vivek's poetry disrupts the page it's like not written on the page in the way that books are written and so in that way it's like not just the poetry that's you know like revolutionary and like anti-white supremacy but it's also the way it's written. Like, who said I got to write from the top of the page and fill it down to the bottom? Like, I'm going to write in the corner of the page and my whole poem is going to be in the corner of the page. <laughs> like, And it's just really amazing. And I actually got the chance to go to a, a reading of a few of the poems from Even This Page is White and Vivek signed my book. So, you know... <laughs> I feel like a bad bitch that I have a signed copy of this um, poetry book that I really love. And so, yeah. So the next book that has been getting me through, and I I guess I should say that these are all pretty short too. Um, They're poetry books, so obviously. Well, maybe that's not obvious because sometimes, you know, (laughs) Audre Lorde's poetry books be long. (laughs) But these poetry books are pretty short that I'm suggesting. But the next one is called Experimental Love Poetry by Cheryl Clark. And if this is your first time listening to Queer Walk, then you have not heard me stan Cheryl Clark in the past. But she's one of the the first black lesbian writers, if not the first black lesbian writer that I I ever read, just like putting those words together on a page, black lesbian. Um, (laughs) And similar to Lord, she writes in like these shots fired ways, but it's also really beautiful and poetic. And so she actually has three books of poetry. So before this one, so there's Humid Pitch, I think is the first one. Living as a Lesbian is also a collection of poetry and like short essays by Cheryl Clark. And Narrative Poems in the Tradition of Black Women, which is also a really good one. But I love experimental love poetry because it's just that. Like there, there's like these like, weird poems in here that you, like, what? (laughs) And, yeah, so I just, I just really love that. And I picked this one for the mental moment. uh, It's kind of like a connection because Cheryl actually dedicates this one to the memories of other Black lesbian poets who passed. So she dedicates it um, to Pat Parker, who I'm going to talk about in a minute, Audre Lorde, and Mabel Hampton. And so if y'all were going to cop any of Cheryl Clark's uh, poetry books, I would want it to be experimental love poetry because, you know, she dedicated it to other Black lesbians. All right. And last but not least, my third poetry suggestion for this mental moment that has been getting me through. Y'all, okay. This one? Whew. Uh, <laughs> where do I start? Okay. The last book is Miss Militancy by Mina Kandasami. Um, and I was introduced to this book by one of the best professors at Syracuse <laughs> in general, Dr. Himika Bhattacharya. And this, so she assigned it for her class. And this book is like, if you could put 
like a beat to these <laughs> to these poems, Mina would be the best rapper of all time. <laughs> so the first poem, I want to find it. And because I'm not Hindu or Indian, I had to look up a lot of the references, but you can like get it even if you don't look it up. It's just like I like to look it up because I'm a nerd. But the first opening is like, should you take offense? And that's really like, you should be offended by this, you fuck ass, <laughs> oh, patriarchal, white supremacist motherfuckers, right? So, and so, yeah, she goes on to be like, you are basically the like, the, all these things that told me I wasn't great. And so she like lists them and and then she writes her, herself like against it, right? And so I had actually posted this on my Instagram before, but this piece I keep coming back to is call me names if it comforts you. I no longer care. The scarlet letter is my monogram. I sew it on everything I wear. I tattoo its permanence. I strive to be a slut in a world where all sex is sinful. I strive to be a shrew in a society that believes in suffering and silence. I strive to be a sphinx, part woman, part lioness, armed with all the lethal riddles. So, come unriddle me, but be warned. I've never faltered in a fight. So, <laughs> bitch said she got them hands. <laughs> so, yeah. So, Miss Militancy by Mina Kandasami. Um, that is my last suggestion. Um, and actually, the part that I just read is on the back of the book. Uh, so, <laughs> I, I just realized that. Such an amazing collection of poetry. And so, yeah. I just wanted to end this mental moment with a little excerpt from one of Pat Parker's poems called Love Isn't. And so I've been reading a lot of Pat Parker lately because my friend Kay sent me the poem and because it it directly connects to my dissertation and so funny because it's really been helping me get through. And so Pat Parker was like a phenomenal Black American lesbian feminist poet and performer. And during her lifetime, she's passed on now. And uh, I'm just like, wow, how have I never heard of her before? She's also out of Houston. And I'm just, <laughs> I'm just saying, like, something about women from Houston. They be killing it in the artistic front. And so I just wanted to read an excerpt from Love Isn't. And I, you know, I put it out there and dedicate it to you all. I care for you. I care for our world. If I stop caring about one, it would be only a matter of time before I stop loving the other. And and just that little piece keeps keeps me energized at times. It's like we do this work for a reason. We do it because we love each other. And that's like the most radical way to love the world. So that's my mental moment, y'all. I hope any of this poetry or like these excerpts struck a nerve for y'all and you're like you you're interested and want to check it out. I hope that this reminds you that you used to write poetry <laughs> or that maybe you always wanted to write poetry and this will inspire you to start. Cuz you know, I'm a Virgo. I got mad books in my house that that are just collected cuz I thought they was cute and I haven't written in them. So <laughs> I should start writing myself. But yeah, like I said, all of these resources are going to be either linked or listed in the description box. None of these books are expensive, y'all. Like I think the most expensive one is like $20. You can find them like used, 
everything for like seven bucks. So they're poetry books, you know? So cop them if anything stuck out to you. All right, so I'm gonna move it on along into the topic segment. And okay, if y'all have topic suggestions, please submit them to queerwalkpod at gmail.com. Or you can just send us a DM of like, hey, I think it would be dope if y'all talk about this. Yeah, so I wanted to do this one because uh, I felt like I had some like stuff to say about it and I had some suggestions. So I'm going to do this one on my little solo episode. So this this letter is from... So I'm just going to keep with the theme of using old lady names. Uh, so this le- letter is from Ethel. So, <laughs> so Ethel writes... Hey, y'all. So I know y'all been scraping for underneath the bottom of the barrel for topics. Indeed, we have. Thank you so much, Ethel, for sending this. (laughs) I'm here to suggest one. A personal experience of mine. I am aware that every woman has their own flora scent. But how do you deal with a woman that has a strong, musky scent? She is perfectly healthy. Gynecologist says she's good. I really do like her. But sometimes when I'm down there where she really gets excited, her scent gets strong. However, she tastes lovely. (laughs) I guess I want to know, has anyone ever had this experience? Do you know of ways to deal with it? One time we went out dancing and you could smell her and a couple girls around were very rude about it and said things out loud. What's that smell? Or is that, that's not healthy. They didn't know who it was. They just were saying that stuff. Uh, That's what I'm getting from the letter. I just grabbed her and continued to dance. Oh, look at you, supporting Bay. <laughs> and so I guess Ethel just wants suggestions. So first of all, thank you, Ethel, for trusting us uh, with this question. I feel like for folks with like vaginas and have have like scents and stuff, like it's such a, a sensitive topic. I think uh, there's there is a a dominant narrative around talking about vaginas and coochies as if they're like dirty, just like disgusting and nasty. All the words that people use to describe, whether it's like fish or cat, like none of those things uh, smell nice. Like you ever smell a litter box? (laughs) Like cat, you know, like the, all the ways that people refer to our like vaginas in general, I feel like they just in, it, we internalize this like narrative about like this constant dirtiness to it. And like, we need to make it smell like pineapples, daffodils and rainbows, and <laughs> which actually ends up like hurting us in the long run. Right. So, yeah. So thank you for like trusting us with that. And yes, I have lots of suggestions actually. And so, so first of all, I've had the experience of having to talk to partners about this. Um, so I'm, I'm like really commiserating with you, Ethel, because it's, it's like a hard conversation to have, you know? And so, all right. So, so suggestions about like bringing it up with Bay, right? So I'm going to guess that Bay already is aware of this. Like if other people can smell it, like in y'all at the club, I'm assuming that maybe they is not used to their own smell and like they know that this is happening. And so just, you know, just like gently bring it up. So one thing, okay, so like personally and when I've been like in relationships with folks where I've had to bring it up. So when I was younger, I used to get a lot of UTIs 
And it come to find out I was allergic to the type of panties I was wearing. So I can't do like satin, that other kind of like fake shit that looks like satin, but it's not satin. <laughs> like I have to have breathable cotton panties. And that was causing, and you know, like my thighs touch, I don't have no thigh gap. So, you know, and <laughs> things get hot, it hot down there. And so that was causing like must, you know, like it don't, it don't smell lovely. <laughs> and so when I was younger, like I didn't know that, right. I was just like, washing, washing, washing all the time and didn't know that I was actually allergic to the type of panties I was wearing out here trying to be cute until I like went to the doctor and they were like, oh, have you ever tried like wearing a different type of panties? And I was like, ooh, you smart. So <laughs> so that's what I did. And, you know, trust me, they make cute panties in like in cotton and breathable blends. They even make like, like lacy type stuff that's, that's not, that ain't choking your cooch. Like your, the cooch got to breathe. So maybe that might be a more gentler way to bring it up with Bay. Like, hey, have you like tried wearing like other type of panties? Because like I notice sometimes that like your fluorescent can be like kind of strong. And I know like you're healthy and everything. The doctor says you're good. So that means like bacterial vaginosis is probably not the issue. Then it's probably something else. Right. So that's my first suggestion. Like check the kind of panties you're wearing. So secondly, sometimes the stuff that we're doing to try to get rid of odor actually causes odor. So all of these like scented tampons and scented like stuff that you're putting in with like that, that just to me screams that there's a whole lot of chemicals in it. And those chemicals can actually actually be like throwing off your good bacteria and your cooch and like your your um their natural like self cleaning oven mechanism mechanisms. <laughs> I didn't know no other way to say that. Like <laughs> so like don't use things that are like heavily scented. Douching is not good. It it throws off all kind of stuff. Like our natural like ability to make moisture. I feel like I'm saying natural a lot. Y'all know I don't mean it in that like fucked up um biological determinist way. I just mean in like the things that our bodies do without any interference. So like douching throws off like the the moisture that we would typically make. It also like I've heard people putting like vinegar and like strong shit. Like can you imagine like putting these these acidic things in where we already have like a site a slightly acidic area. Like that's the flora is all already a little bit acidic. Not like burning, but you know, like on the pH scale. And so when you throw that off, you fuck with everything, scent, taste, uh, all that stuff. And so if your bae is doing a lot of stuff to try to like deal with the scent and using these things with all these chemicals or that say fresh smell or daffodil gardens or like tulip pussy, whatever it says, like those things might actually be like cause the cause of some of that. And, you know, thinking about allergies, they might have an allergy or be reacting to some of that stuff too. On that same vein, I am a full 29 years old and I just learned, actually, I'm going to, I'm going to plug this because I'm not the expert of this and I'm going to plug where I got it from, Sight Black Women. Vanessa, actually, from Vagisteam has an episode, episode 20. I'm going to put it in the link. I'm going to put the link to her episode in the description box. 
on her episode, she was talking about how like some soaps are too harsh to use in or around our like vaginas and that can throw off your smell. So again, while you're doing all these things, thinking that you're going to make it smell like bubblegum lollipops and watermelons, like it's actually doing the exact opposite because it's too strong, right? And so again, I'm going to link Vanessa's episode. She she explains this a lot better too because this is what she does. She's a sex educator. I'm just giving you from personal experience, girl. <laughs> I ain't got the answers, Ethel. But <laughs> but I do have experience. So um yeah. So um yeah, soaps. Soaps can actually disagree with your body chemistry. I can speak to this because what is that soap called? That like Irish fresh shit. I can't remember the name of it. It's like this Irish clean thing that when I was in college, like everybody was using it. Everybody was on it. Right. And I can't use that because it makes me smell like it doesn't agree with my body chemistry. I smell very, very funny. You know what I smell like when I use that? I smell like wet laundry, <laughs> just like wet laundry. Like I never dried um, and I'm not out here <laughs> not washing my legs. I am washing my legs. I need everybody, to, you know, so it's like I can't use that soap. I know that I can't use that soap because it doesn't agree with my body chemistry. But on the other hand, I really love using Dr. Bronner's peppermint soap, which you can tell that that soap is strong. Like it says on the bottle that you need to dilute it. So so that's a very strong soap. So I'm not, obviously, I'm not going to like, you know, open open up the lips and go inside with that because it's just way too strong. It's too strong to be down there. It's probably way too strong to be using on my face, um, which is probably why my nose be peeling, you know? But, <laughs> but yeah, so like be aware of like soaps and stuff too. And then kind of like my like last little thing is how does your bae do like menstrual care if if they menstruate, I'm assuming, because a lot of times that can speak to or have an impact on like your smell too. I switched to menstrual cups about three years ago now. And I see a difference in odor. I just like don't smell myself as much, if that makes sense. Like, you know, you know what you're like, what coochie typically smells like, you know, like the box, what the box smells like when it's healthy and good. Like, yeah, it's, it's just like when around that time of the month or even when you're like ovulating, when you got two weeks and you have like discharge, sometimes that scent can be amplified, you know, so it's like. Since I switched to cups, that scent doesn't get amplified as much. I hope this is making sense. Like, so when I was using tampons all the time, I would smell (laughs) like my, my cooch, like, like, oh, I'm ovulating. I have discharged. Like I could smell that. Or like I'm taking the tampon out and like I could smell myself. But since I switched to the cup, that, that scent has just gone down. I know there are like sponges and like menstrual panties and stuff that folks can use that might impact. This is maybe my conspiracy thoughts, but I honestly think that that it's not just the placebo effect that I really do smell different now that I'm using like the cups and stuff because they put all kind of shit in in tampons and pads all kind of shit. If you didn't know, like Kotex been sued mad times for all the the, the um, incredible 
fucked up stuff they put in tampons. So yeah, I don't think I'm tripping that like I smell different. The the you know the your it's <laughs> Vanessa's episode is called Vagina Smells Like. I think that's the name of the episode. But it's like the coochie is gonna have a scent. You just don't want it to be like when it's to a point where like someone else can smell it then, like, something is going on, right? So, yeah, so my suggestion is, like, check on the type of panties that Bay is wearing. Check on the soap. Try different soaps. I don't do any of that, like, flavored, scented, body scrub stuff. It's it's all natural over here. Um, And, yeah, the soaps that I use are, like, very mild down in that area. You know, protect your box. (laughs) And, yeah, and try switching to, like, Menstrual cups, menstrual um, sponges, or, like, menstrual panties that might help. Yeah, so I hope that was helpful. (laughs) I don't know if I have, like, anything. Oh, the only other thing I would say, Ethel, is I know that the OBGYN told Bay that there was nothing up. They might want to get a second opinion if Bay is a black woman, just saying, because... Recently, my friends <laughs> kind of yelled at me and not yelled at me, but like gave me some advice to like advocate for myself when it comes to like vaginal health. And we know that like doctors just don't believe us. They just don't believe us. And so sadly, we have to like advocate for ourselves and go hard. And so if Bay thinks that this is something that actually is like a health, a health issue, um, they might want to go back to the doctor and be like, hey, can you check me for this? And if the doctor refuses, just have them document it. Just have them say that that they won't. This is actually a tip that I got from, I think it was Diamond, when, like, my my um, homies of the Batty Brigade were, like, telling me to, you know, go. Because, like, I have very painful periods. Like, very, very painful. And, like, the last one, I was like, this better be the last one because I can't do this no more. And every time I go to the gynecologist, they're like, you're completely fine. There's nothing wrong. We don't know why your periods are so heavy or bad or hurt so much. And so I feel like I have to now go back and like, like do the same thing that I'm telling you to do. Like we have to stick up for ourselves because they don't, they're not trained to work with us (laughs) and they don't believe us when we say we're in pain They don't believe us when we say, like, we think something is up. We know our bodies. And so has Bay ever had a point in their life where this wasn't the case? Like, where they didn't have an odor so strong that somebody else could smell it, you know? It's like, because if so, then that means that there is something. There's something different. Something changed. So that would just be my last little tidbit. But again, I'm going to plug Vanessa's episode to Vagistine, which might be a podcast that Bay might be interested in just in general because it's a dope-ass podcast and it's all about this. So yeah, I'm going to put a link to Vagistine's episode 20 in the description and I hope I helped a little bit and if y'all are listening and y'all have any suggestions or if you've had to talk to Bay about like like box stuff <laughs> box related things throw it in the hashtag queer walk and let me know All right, so I'm going to move it on along to the Curved Chronicles segment. Curve, 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 curve. Oh, I can't do it 
as good as Uncle Nick. But, um, <laughs> uh, so Curve Chronicles, for those of you who, this might be your first episode of Queer Walk, or if you're just returning, Curve Chronicles is the segment where we talk about our dating woes and wins, or we talk about your dating woes and wins. If you want to submit those to QueerWalkPod at gmail.com or hit us up in the DMs with your Curved Chronicles. So, I don't have a specific Curve Chronicle. I just want to kind of like talk around something because <laughs> I think, like I said on the last episode, y'all, I used to be real reckless with the Curve Chronicles naming names and places and dates and times. And <laughs> maybe this is why I haven't dated in two years. Okay, so, <laughs> okay, I wanted to talk about two things. The first is I noticed that like different ways in which I introduce myself sets me up to to be received by a person that I'm potentially flirting with in different ways. Let me explain. So I feel like when I lead with like the the therapist role that I wear, like I am a therapist, my passion is like mental health and healing and shit. When I lead with that, like folks want folks want that from me. Like that's the role that they want me to fulfill. So it's kind of like I curve myself, right? <laughs> because uh, congratulations, I played myself by putting myself in the therapy box. So then they want to like pick my brain about like being a therapist or like have an impromptu therapy session with me. <laughs> and it doesn't really like go past that. So they just see me as like the person they can like turn to in like moments of crisis or or maybe not even crisis, but they just need somebody to, like, talk to who they know is going to be, like, empathetic and non-judgmental and, like, all of those, like, things. And so that that's really hard for me because I honestly feel like you can't train, train those things. Like, I think this is, like, shots fired at all mental health <laughs> programs, but I think people either have it or they don't. And we need to stop pretending like like you can train somebody to be like non-judgmental and empathic when it comes to other people's like emotional um, well-being. I think those people just need to leave the programs and don't need to be therapists out here doing harm to folks. But anyway, <laughs> so I said that to say that like I I just have that like that's just my personality and I really value that part of me that I can show up for folks that I love in that way. Right. And that it feels like talking to me is helpful for them like that's something that's so important to me just like outside of being a therapist like I love showing up for people in my life like that right so it's really hard for me to like balance that and so now I gotta find a way to I have to I have to make boundaries (laughs) I have to make boundaries for myself and like how do I navigate wanting to be that person and that being so important to me to be that but also, shit, like, I, I don't want to be the world's therapist. Like, I want to have a life outside of being a therapist. I want to date and laugh and joke and um, maybe even get lit with people without them being like, I can't believe this is a whole therapist out here turning up and twerking. Oh, of course I am. (laughs) That's also a part of me, you know? And so it's just like, how do I, how do I like balance that and not lead with it? It's kind of hard to not lead with it because that's my job, you know? And it's like so much of my life 
right now I'm working on this like PhD and it's my whole like it's also kind of like my my role on here also you know it's like the mental moment segment is my baby and I get so excited about it and all of that healing shit is so much a part of me but I also need to find ways to like protect it if that makes sense so that I can't connect with somebody on a a big old freak, <laughs> big booty, big old treat <laughs> level, um, <laughs> as opposed to a, so do you have availability on Wednesday at seven <laughs> level, you know? <laughs> so yeah. Um, the second thing, the second thing I wanted to talk about is I hope all of my friends are listening to this. I'm going to tap the mic and <clears throat> attention all of my loved ones in Syracuse. Queer folks can be friends and be friends. Like, not, we're not we're not always together or like, this is not just for my friends, but I'm just making fun of them right now because I'm here by myself and I'm doing what I want at. <laughs> but yeah, we could be friends and it not be like any kind of like sexual, like, ooh, so what y'all doing? So without naming names, because you know, I got to protect the innocent. I have a new like homie who was like, like we're, we became fast friends, like really close, really fast. Uh, love hanging out with her. She's, uh, but she's a baddie. That's not, but it's like, and she's a baddie. Right. So like every is, she's like, obviously like objectively beautiful. Right. And so, and she's queer. And so everybody is like, Oh oh, shit. And I'm like, no, like (laughs) we are homies. Like we're homies. And, um, so it just made me think about like, you know, like two queer folks can coexist and not not like want that type of relationship with each other. And it just, it made me like think about, hmm, I wonder why we do that. Like, I think one, all of my friends are in relationships. And so I think that's part of it. Like, I don't spend as much time with any of my friends anymore because they have like partners. And so, so instead of us like having, you know, these really real ass conversations about, so what is, what does our friendship look like now? And I miss you. And like, I want to be the annoying third that like comes and sits between y'all on the couch while y'all trying to, <laughs> trying to have daytime, you know, or like if, if y'all holding hands, we holding hands. <laughs> I just want to be that annoying friend. So like, how do, how do we still spend time together? How do we still love on each other as partner friends or, oh, on the wildness, they say friend mate. I love that term. Like, ah, yes. Cause that's, that's what it feels like, right? It's like more than a friendship. It's like, these are my siblings. These are my friend mates. So how do I, um, still have that relationship with y'all, even though y'all are all together and like booed up and partnered. Right. And so obviously, like our relationship dynamic has changed too. So I wish we could have like those conversations instead of it being like, okay, money, like, so, you know, who you, who you caking with these days? You know what I learned? This is, this is a good part of Curve Chronicles. I learned that the kids don't say caking anymore and that I felt very much so like an auntie in that moment. And that's so funny because <laughs> I listen to your gay aunties and I'm like, huh, I can't wait till I get there. And then I have these little moments where it's like, oh, bitches, right around the corner. And then talking to Martina at Potty Live, where she's like, well, if they the gay, if they your gay aunties, 
um, talking about Red and Hanifa. She's like, well, I'm the gay grandma because <laughs> like I'm either I'm even um, past that. Right. I have auntie moments about the aunties. And so <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, like, uh, yeah, I just have these moments of being like, damn, like I'm really moving into moving into like queer auntie status. But yeah, so caking. For, for the youngins listening, it's just like when, you know, it's so sweet, nobody can't stand it. You just like kikiing and giggling and, oh my gosh, like you, no, you hang out, no, you hang out, no, you hang Like that's caking, you know, it's just like you, you just sweet and lovey-dovey and like doing Eskimo kisses and stuff, you know, like rubbing noses and all that. Um, hand, hand in the other person's back pocket, you know, like overly sweet, cute shit. Yeah, so I think, yeah, I think folks, like, like want that instead of, like, us talking about, you know, where am I at with friendships? Like, how are my friendships going? Yeah, because for a while, I think, hmm, for a while, I think I was, I was, like, not open to any type of, like, new relationship energy, whether it's, like, platonic or romantic and so now I'm just like finding finding space to like open back up again I know that sounds really weird but I am it's just like okay I recognize that I wasn't trying to have like no new friends or no new like situationships out of like a place of like hurt and and so I stayed internal and I did like some self-exploration and <laughs> now I'm back and I'm, I want all the new friends and all the new um, uh, bay ships or like situationships, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah, like I said, those weren't like direct Curve Chronicles, even though I kind of had some from Pod and Live Weekend. Yeah, so, okay. So I set my intention, y'all. I set my intentions of like, because I'm reopening to new energy, right? I was just like, okay, I'm gonna meet like an incredible person this weekend. And I'm going to like have a lasting connection from this weekend, you know? And so that's that's kind of like the intention I set, you know? So I went down, you know, I I programmed my clear courts. I was, I was like hype, right? Walked in with my labradorite on, just, you know, everything. I was crystalled out with my intentions. And so many dudes tried to talk to me going to, on my way to Pod and Live, and also, like, at Pod and Live, that I was like, this is peculiar. Like, (laughs) when they tell you to be intentional and very specific about setting intentions, they serious, like... Yo, when you affirm some shit, you got to make it very specific because (laughs) the universe is shady and (laughs) petty and will, like, throw you some shit that you ain't asked for. But, yeah. So, there was, like, this dude on the train who kept, like, trying to get my attention. And I was like, like, are you you serious? I Maybe I just live in, like, my queer bubble. But I just think that I am a visibly queer person. And maybe I'm tripping and thinking that. Y'all can check and let me know. But, like... To me, everything about me, nothing, like, I don't think anybody looks at me, again, like I said before, and it's like, oh, look at that heterosexual. <laughs> like, I think that I'm, I just am free in a way that at least says, mm, you know, I might like a box just a little bit. <laughs> or like, I'm open to, 
to other stuff. But yeah, I guess I needed to set those intentions very intentionally because, you know, I I took two trains to get to Von Bar and whew, I just was like left and right. Like, no, no, don't stop. Uh, I'm, I'm here. I'm not here for you. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, so that was my Curved Chronicles. And if yours are more exciting than mine, you can submit them again to QueerWalkPod at gmail.com. And this feels this feels like very short because we're down a segment. But yeah, I think I did a show. It has been so long since I did a solo episode of Queer Walk, y'all. Like, wow, this is bizarre. <laughs> So I hope y'all still fucked with it and let me know, like give us feedback, use the hashtag queer WOC. Don't forget to hit us up on all the things. And this has been money, the uh, solo sapphic uh, slayer of Instagrams. And, <laughs> and you just listen to Queer Walk the podcast. Ooh.